0: Today is a Thanksgiving Sunday and as we celebrate Thanksgiving Sunday worship service, um, the title of my my message is a heartfelt Thanksgiving. There's a reason for that title. Um, <clears throat> whenever I hear a thank you as a the ritualistic or obligatory, very spiritless Thanksgiving. Um, no one appreciates, and especially I, I really think of this Thanksgiving season as a, our, our spirit of gratitude, heartfelt gratitude is deteriorating in this culture. Today's uh, text is Psalm 145. Which will restore? How to restore that? How how to how to give thanks and how to give praise? But before we do that, there are some things that we need to debunk. There are at least four misconceptions about Thanksgiving in today's postmodern world, when the feeling and subjectivity is so emphasized. The first one is this misconception number one is. I want to be authentic, real. I will give thanks when I really feel thankful. The truth is, in in this society, desensitization happens all the time. So I, I don't know about you, when was last time you sat before a meal? And then the gratitude and thankfulness is bubbling up from the bottom of your heart. The truth is this. Are we obeying our feelings or the truth of God? When you get up in the morning and you look at your husband and you look at your wife, including your kids, do you feel overwhelmed with this gratitude? I have my family... Do you have this affection, lovable things when you smell his breath? <laughs> That's why throughout Psalms, interesting, two things happen throughout, throughout the Bible, especially in the Psalms. Psalmist will commend his soul. Bless the Lord, all my soul, all that is in me. Bless his name. Forget none of his benefits. And God himself commands us to feel a certain way. Give thanks to the Lord for it is good. Be thankful in everything. But the notion that erroneous notion that we bought into in this culture is that you can't make you can't command others to feel a certain way. Uh-uh. If you look at the Bible, God, the Creator, has several commands about feelings. Be, be thankful. Give, give, joy, uh, uh, give thanks. Rejoice. Be joyful in the Lord. Those are the feelings. Let's begin with truth rather than feelings. Feelings are important but feelings come and go and truth stays forever. Misconception number two some people might say I feel thankful for a lot of things but I don't like sharing it publicly. I'm a private person or maybe you're introvert especially uh, in gatherings like this and in the youth are staying with us this morning at the end of the time that we will have an open mind, sharing of gratitude, uh, that's not me. If you look at Psalm 145, which will help us, it's not either or. It's not an individualistic thanksgiving. David starts with, I will, but soon after that, he changes the mode to they shall and comes back to I will and they shall Thanksgiving is individual and communal misconception number three I participate in a special Thanksgiving worship service like today so I don't need to I don't feel the need to give thanks personally. Other kids do that. But let them wa- I, let them do it, I'll watch. It's just heartwarming to watch our kids, our youth, and others give thanks. I don't have that kind of powerful testimony anyway. I think it's important to, to think about whether we live our Christian life in the second-hand experience of others, or the first-hand. But there's nothing like it when, when I have four sons. It takes each one of the sons be grateful, and when when one one son says. Thanks, mom. It was a delicious meal. Thanks, dad, for the ride. Doesn't mean that all the rest of you don't have to do that. It means so much. And don't you hate it when people say, you know, this coming Thursday we will have, I'm looking forward to hosting our family gathering and my brother's family and sister's family. They've never been to our new house. They're going to come over and we we'll are celebrate. And my brother's third book, I'll share it a little bit later, came out, so we're grateful for that. And as as we gather around, we're going to do the tradition again and each person of entire family, extended family, shares what we're thankful for, starting with the youngest one. Sawyer. But don't you hate it when you say, me too. Same thing, (laughs) what he said. Misconception number four is probably the most important thing that will lead us to Psalm 145. Some might say, I'd like to give thanks, but I don't have anything to be thankful for. In one hand, um, we could be spoiled. And to our children, at least, we say, you're spoiled. What do you mean you don't have anything to thank for? (laughs) The clothes you're wearing, the warm house you live in, what is that? Um, But if we think about adults, it's beyond that. When you think about the reason why we have difficulty in giving thanks is our focus is primarily on the gifts. Do I have gifts? Do I like it? Is our primary concern. Let's say someone gave you a brand new car, the dream car that you've been waiting for. Oh, I'm thankful. Yeah, I mean that thankfulness might last uh, a few, few days, a few weeks some might last an entire year, but it died wow. Well. But do you have a gift that you gave, someone given you, practically worth almost nothing, piece of paper? I carry those things in my drawer. I, I'm a sentimental guy. So the kids, the road, the, you know, um, Father's Day card, and I still keep it and i took take it out it means so much because the giver of the gift is so much important to me good to me the psalm 145 focuses on the giver of gifts specifically Attributes of God, and that attributes God of God, the truth about God becomes a bubbling well in David's heart, the psalmist, and he's welled up and overflow from the truth, not from the feelings, and he is feeling thankful. There are at least four things that he's thankful for. We could think about it as bubbling reasons, four reasons. But Psalm 145, to give you just a little bit of background, it is one of those acrostic psalms, which means every verse starts with Hebrew alphabet. There's only 21 verses. Some of you know Hebrew alphabets have 22 what have I happened to one? One is missing. I think it might be intentional, to be honest. When you think about unsearchable greatness of God, how can you fathom, explain and praise God and give thanks for every aspect of God? It is impossible. Our best effort falls short after several uh, hundreds of years later, Greek uh, translations, many Greek trans- manuscripts, when they copy, verse 13, at the end of verse 13, you will see bracket. They added that letter and made up the sentence. What does it tell us? It is a tool for practice and to teach the other generations coming up. And number two, as I mentioned, there is a back and forth of those individual thanksgiving versus also communal thanksgiving. Here's number one reason. For a heartfelt thanksgiving. And to give a heartfelt thanks to the Lord for His goodness. Look okay, at verses 1 through 6. I will extol you. Extol means highly praise. My God and King, I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever great is the lord and greatly to be praised and his goodness greatness is unsearchable one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works i will meditate They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Notice that the psalm starts with, I will. And I feel like, rather than I feel like. It's a deliberate, active obedience, a practice. And oftentimes, the first thing that we say, even Today, after the service, and after going into the uh, communal lunch, or even this week, your Thanksgiving gathering in your family, the first thing that you will say sets the tone. Oh, you might have a gratitude and you might have some things to complain and feel cynical about, but first thing that you say is, I will give thanks. I give thanks to the Lord. I'm grateful. Isn't God great? Then sets the tone, not just for your spirit, but the entire room. Try that. Today, as you're walking out, pay attention to what you say, the first thing that you say to others. And the first attitude, the attribute of God that David thanks is God's unsearchable greatness. Have you ever felt that you become small and smaller when you encounter something grander? Like Grand Canyon? Or some of you like ocean and when you go into the ocean and further you go away from the land and beach and the ocean is just vastly huge. And God's greatness is not something that we could put it in the package, I mastered it. It it is really unsearchable, it's true. The more that you get to know God, the more you become surprised by God's greatness, His holiness, his purity. His righteousness. The more we realize. How little we know. L- listen to these phrases. Repeating over and over. Two phrases. I will meditate. And they will speak of or declare. And the root word. I find out that meditate. Meditate has a, uh, something that we are familiar with. Reflect on quietly over and over. That's what we are familiar with. And there's a, another another side of definition. Have conversation with, with who? With yourself. With thinking out loud. Hear inwardly reflecting, thinking out loud. Have you ever tried it? Walking around your room? Mm -hmm. Lord, or if you're talking to yourself, Paul, I should be thankful. You're grumbling. Thank God for this. I am thankful for this. Truth is the reservoir from which we get fresh water of heartfelt thanksgiving the feelings of deep gratitude Apostle Paul in New Testament caught that in the middle of his exposition of the grandeur of God's Sovereign plan of salvation, Romans eleven. He stops and ends this with this thirty three and thirty six. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and how how inscrutable, inscrutable His ways! For from Him and through Him to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. The first reason for heartfelt thanksgiving, greatness of God. Second is goodness of God. Verse 7 through 10 and verse 14 through actually 17, I believe. They shall pour forth the fame of of your abundant goodness, because ESV has that rigid literal translation so if, if we be a little more free to translate this, they shall overflow for how famous you are of your tremendously abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your all your saints shall bless you. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all ways and kind in all his works. Why is it important to think about and praise God for and thank God for His goodness? So, think about the mighty works of God. That He is powerful. God is great. I agree. He is omnipotent. But if we are not sure if He about His goodness that's a scary God. But notice that even in new age world we want to kind of manufacture our image of God man made image of God is good and loving and all that. And if He's not powerful if He's not righteous if He's not great in his holiness, his wrath, his goodness is really not true, true goodness because he cannot deliver. It's like a grandpa who was well-meaning but cannot deliver. Is God good to you? Some of you went through a tough year so far. Can I urge you to think about goodness of the giver rather than goodness of the gift? Because when you think about God's goodness, the gifts that you have received, the things that you are going through, from the outside, it is painful. It is a difficult thing. But suddenly, it changes. It's good. Because you see God's intention, sovereign will behind that. Charles Spurgeon, in his one of sermons in 1884, he has written this. Powerful. I wish I could share more, but this is an excerpt. Spurgeon writes, In the third sentence, you see a company of godly people together, and in their talk, you mark the grateful outpouring of thankful spirit. They shall abundantly utter the memory of your great goodness. The Hebrew word has something to do with bubbling up. It means they shall overflow, they shall gush with the memory of your goodness. And in handling this sentence, I should like to dwell only upon that metaphor. A Christian man, in reference to the goodness of God to him, should resemble a springing well. There should always be fresh matter from him upon that blessed subject, the memory of your great goodness. Did you ever tell out the story of your life to the full? Did you ever write it? Tell your friends the happy tale of Jesus and his love. Oh, blessed the Lord, oh my, my soul, nor let his mercies lie forgotten in, un, in unthankfulness, and without praises die. I like the instinct, and I think it is always an inst- instinct of a child of God that makes a man feel, I must tell what the Lord has done for me, and they shall abundantly utter. They shall gush, It shall overflow with the memory of your great goodness. I I just love the image of bubbling up and gushing out with the freshness of our remembrance. So we ought to give heartfelt thanks to God not only for his goodness Greatness and goodness, The third of all, his kingship. Verse 11, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. And this is the part, the missing part, that which was it, added on, the missing 14th Hebrew alphabet sentence. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Kingship or kingdom is a part of God's greatness. It's sovereign rule, sovereignty of God, that his reign is forever. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom which gives us a hope. Why? His good reign will eternally sustain So even if we go through momentous, tough time, seemingly pain and suffering, as many of our forefathers who who have been persecuted and saw the glimpse of glory, including Apostle Paul saying, this momentary suffering in light of the glorious future is nothing. Filled with joy. So we too need to pass this glory to our next generation. Which is, we didn't plan this some that way. I'm grateful that youth are staying with us. And you guys, listen. One thing we would like to, your parents and I, and as your yes. uncle. The God's family like to pass on how to fear God. Fear not in the sense you're scared of God, but deep, genuine, reverent respect in love. Because of God's sovereign reign that you know how to submit and surrender. Fourth and last one, we need to give thanks to the Lord for his grace. Verse 18 through 21. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked He will destroy my mouth. 21 is a concluding recap mark. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Individual, personal praise and thanksgiving. And let all fresh flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Corporate, communal, thanksgiving. This also, grace, is a, an aspect of God's goodness. So we're talking about God's greatness and God's goodness. But this focus on goodness has a tremendous gospel in us. Because grace means that you cannot deserve it. You cannot merit. You cannot buy with your righteousness, with your efforts. So no matter how badly you have behaved and you feel like, oh, I cannot thank God, the hope in the bottom of the pit is that God's grace is available. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. New Testament version of that, draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And this grace changed the definition of goodness in light of the hope I said. So for those of you, especially youth, Crossweed, can you guys make eye contact with me? (laughs) Right now. Look at me. Listen to me. (coughs) If you cannot think of anything that you could be thankful for, listen to this first. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. And ask why, as you're listening. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the o- olive oil fa- olive fell, and the fields, of, fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the f- fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Why? Even though you might not have anything good happening to you from your definition, the Lord is good. If the Lord is good, nothing that is happening is actually behind it. There is a goodness of the Lord for you. He is for you. He cares for you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his his son to die on the cross for you. This week, I have another plumbing problem. I have people coming over this Thursday, as you know. Leaks. My bathroom leaks. Our stove, one and only stove, was broken. So it was replaced with a new one. So thankful it's nice and beautiful. But because of connection problem, it cannot be installed. And Thursday, people coming over, how are we going to cook? <laughs> my parents, in law started, both of them are on dialysis three times a week. By the way, small thing, my wife, got rear-ended last Sunday. I'm not a Habakkuk, but I shall rejoice in the Lord because it's His goodness. God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. <laughs> My time's up. Really quick recap. <laughs> Three things we learned from Psalm 145. Heartfelt Thanksgiving is more about active obedience than passive feelings, as this deliberate acrostic psalm teaches us. Number two, heartfelt Thanksgiving ought to be practiced both individually and communally, not either or, as a call for giving thanks to the Lord. Number three, heartfelt Thanksgiving bubbles up from remembering the giver of gifts, which is the attributes of God, as well as the blessings, the gifts of God. Let's practice what we preach just now. Let me close with a word of prayer first. Father, thank you for your powerful word. <coughs> we are moved by your truth, our ungratitude, Take them away. Fill us with your bubbling reasons. Your goodness and your greatness. Your kingship and your grace. May we be truly filled with heartfelt thanksgiving today and this week in the coming year. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.